Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're also joined by Michael and Christy from Cloud City Casino. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us on. Delighted to be yeah, here. Yeah, thanks Thanks for joining us. This is uh, a lot of fun. <clears throat> we have uh, everyone from the, uh, the Twi'leks of the Night group now on uh, on the podcast. Has Aaron <laughs> been on? Sorry? Has Aaron been on? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Many times. Many times. Okay. I, I didn't know if he had been on because I, I knew uh, like last week, I think it was Matt, and then the week before was Bruce. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm like, we're, we're sitting there just counting down. So I figured Aaron was yep. next week. <laughs> no, he's, he's been on in the past and, mm-hmm. uh, so have Riley and Bethany. So, right. uh, everyone from, uh, from now celebration and dragon con have, have been on the show. Excellent. Uh, so we're just trying to you know, rotate through all the guests. It's always fun, but yeah, thanks for joining us. Hey, I know it's kind of late us. your time. So I appreciate you guys, uh, staying up to record. Yeah. So today we're going to be t- talking about season three episode five of rebels titled Hera's heroes but first there was there was something that happened last week i'm trying to remember what it was william do you remember some big thing i don't know um i don't know i can't think of anything what was a trailer for some little movie i don't know Uh, nobody's really heard of it it's like a rogue one it's an indie film right yeah yeah um but no, the the second theatrical trailer for Rogue One dropped uh, last last week, and wow, was it awesome! Uh, Michael and Christy, did you guys watch the trailer, right? Yeah, apparently Christy sought it out. <laughs> oh, nice! What, what did you guys out. think of this trailer? I'll, I'll let her tell her. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually only seen it once currently. Really? Okay. Really? Okay. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I thought they did a fantastic job, but the, the cinematography continues to be excellent, and uh, and the music. We really got more about the story this time. Um, isn't that right, Tom? Yes, and that's the one thing that I really appreciated about this. In fact, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to a different podcast today, and they were mentioning how, with each of these trailers you're getting a little bit more and more of the story but you're not getting all of it which i, I right. totally appreciate and in some cases and this is what i've heard because you know i i do live in the la area and kind of pick up some trades for hollywood and all that sometimes for some of the overseas uh markets you have to present more of the story to get the people interested to go see it not like mm-hmm. here in the states you've got one trailer where it's all like action 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 to pull somebody in they want to see more of the story to say maybe this is what i want to go see and right. this one is giving you more of that story. So well, I think you have to do that for Rogue One because it's yeah, it's not it's the first Star Wars film that's not part of the the core saga. Exactly. And so you have to kind of tell people what like what is this movie, what it's about, you know. Otherwise people can be very, very confused. And so they have to establish that and say, No, this is you know, this does not have, you know, Ray and Finn and Poe in the in the film or any of the classic characters, you know. Or Bothans. Um, 
Yeah. Or Bothans, you know. Uh, <laughs> Most importantly, no Twi'leks. <laughs> no, no. no Twi'leks. <laughs> but, uh, I think what it did but, nicely, though, it it nicely took story elements from episode four and tied this to episode four. Mon Mothman was great. You know, the, the, the Death Star naturally, all that kind of stuff. It, it and, and then the feel for it by way of the X-Wing base and especially with the, the X-Wings in that one battle they had. So there's elements there that people can take this movie and relate to episode four to where they have a feeling that this is in that universe. This is a separate story within the universe and it ties into what you're going to see in episode four. And I think that doing the trailer this way, like I mentioned, they wanted to get the story out there to say, okay, this is what we're presenting to you and this is how it ties into episode four. And I think they did a really yeah. good job. Yeah, they did a great job of that. You get to see, you get to see Jin uh, as a as a young child and and her father, uh, Galen Urso, at the very beginning of the trailer, and then we see Krennic arriving. So it sounds like somehow he takes, uh, he takes Galen to to work on the Death Star. So we find out that you know her father is is critical to the development of the super weapon, uh, and then we see her wake up in a in a prison, and then we get all sorts of great shots, you know, of her being rescued by the rebellion there's a there's a beautiful shot of from from above and you see the sand on what i believe is probably jetta and it looks like a a, a it's like a rock formation that's basically a jedi in the in the sand i completely missed it my first couple of viewings that's really such a good cool. trailer. steven what, what, what were some of your favorite moments oh that easily the shot of the x-wings flying up and over the space station mm-hmm. i mean with that just the look was classic Star Wars, and um, I didn't actually. I caught this on uh, someone pointed out online. There's in that shot, and kind of the in the background, you can see kind of a very fuzzy uh, Rebel fleet. One of which looks like the hammerheads from Rebels. Really? Which I, oh, I not really yeah. I didn't catch that. I, oh. It was one of those things where it's like you know super blurry, and you enhance it a few times, and you're like maybe, maybe that's actually what it like what it is. But it, I'm hopeful. And it would fit with what they've done with Rebels thus far. So, But it, that was easily the highlight for me. Seeing X-Wings and Y-Wings dipping it up and over the space station is just beautiful. Uh, yeah. And it does feel very classic. Like, you know, we get a, the classic scene where all the Rebels are gathered around a, a table looking at a hologram of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Um, some great shots of some, uh, you know, battles on, uh, on Jetta and Scarif and all sorts of it's great. Like, I love the shot of the Death Star uh, with the clouds. Like Death Star is mm-hmm. on the horizon with the clouds and everything. Oh, yeah. so good. I just it's like so how they had the one representative when they're all around that one table sitting there saying, "If they have a, if they have the the Empire has a, a weapon like this, how can we, you know, stop them?" I mean, it shows a great, you know, that there was a questioning within the re- rebellion if this was even worth it, mm-hmm. and then I. I might have been a cheesy line, but for Jin to come back and say there's hope, I mean, I'm not reading that as completely cheesy, but that's another thing. It was like, you look at episode four, originally it was Star Wars. It was later it became known as A New Hope. Right. So in this case, I'm wondering if they were trying to also not only take the elements to solidify the story in episode four, but to, to, to bring it more wrapped in together by her saying hope. And oh, now four is, yeah, there, there's that whole definite tie-in with hope definitely so, i mean we even got the origin of the rogue one call sign yes in uh in this trailer as well uh, yeah. yes 
But it'll be interesting why, because a friend of mine and I, we talked about this at work, when you actually heard in episode four, when, when all the rogues actually reported in, nobody ever said Rogue One. It was always a different rogue, but you never heard one say Rogue One. Well, that's so, because Rogue One is normally a rogue leader. Right. Okay. Well, okay. Then that part I understand because we were thinking that maybe there was a different meaning to that, that it was an honor that there was actually an original Rogue One. And that could have been tied into this movie uh, because they only said rogue leader, as Stephen, you pointed out. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to see, it, I suppose. it did sound like it was kind of an off the cuff idea, like a uh, rogue, uh, rogue one. Let's that's yeah. what call it, you know, so, uh, you know, be interesting to see how they where they take this, you know, in the, in the future. If, if that's why they were called Rogue Squadron, because of, you know, the, the heroic efforts they did to steal the Death Star plans. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, very cool. Uh, we get some nice shots of, of Vader, uh, and then a uh, we, we find out that Saw Guerrera also has some robotic legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was not... interesting. Yep. The, the uh, fight with the Empire has not been kind for him. No, no. Not at all. No, I uh, really feel for him. <laughs> I, I'm very curious. I think we were talking, uh, you know, um, after the trailer was released. But it'll be interesting to see if they... Uh, they they kind of refer back to any of Sagarera's past or not. Do you what do you what do you guys think? I I think they definitely will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with him being as big as you've seen him so far and everything, I think that they will too. It's almost it, it's almost as if they may not have a choice but to kind of call up his his past because you have seen him here and then then it's almost like his line at the end where it says, um, you know, what was it? Uh, save. Save Whatever. the rebellion, save yeah. the dream, uh, save, save the dream, save the world. <laughs> I yeah, was I was thinking the but, same thing, Stephen. Very interesting how you thought about <laughs> Every that. Every time I but hear it, it pops in I, my head. I can't take credit for it. Someone else thought of that, and I was read really? it. But yeah, it was. But it's almost it always as makes if, it's almost as if at that point when he's saying that that world is crumbling around him. So it's almost like it's a maniacal wish at the end. Like you know, uh, it's almost like save yourselves, and he's just mm-hmm. you know, if if there's a, there's an attack going on, I mean, we have no idea what's happening at the point where he's saying that line, but and by the way, I think I did hear this on uh, the Star Wars report, some of the stuff because I listened to Riley's podcast today. Just plug Riley, there you go. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to take credit for some of the stuff that I heard because I, I heard it from the podcast. But I, I think they're you know, if he's in a position to where his cave is falling apart and he yells that, it's almost like his battle cry too, his final mm-hmm. battle cry. Because for him, it's over. It's it's sort it of his sick. fly, you fools. Yes. <laughs> so I'm I'm very excited for this movie, and it's it's hard to believe we are less than two months away now as we as we're recording this. Uh, just so hard to believe. Yeah. yeah. It's coming up quick. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So, so looking forward to this. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Well, um, we also have uh, in the latest Rebels Recon. Um, they revealed a little bit more information about because we were talking about Biggs in the last episode, right? And what, what happened to Biggs? He was originally going to be in the episode, and they decided that uh, based on the timeline, it didn't make sense for him. Uh, but we find out in Rebels Recon that uh, you know Biggs will actually uh, defect later on with the help of Hobby, uh, and so Hobby would have will have already joined, and he goes back and helps Biggs defect. Whereas I think in the original. Uh, Legends uh, story, you know, they escape together, uh, but that, I mean, it still fits yeah. this time. 
It's pretty close. The original uh, story was that Soontir Fell actually was the uh, the instructor, and I think it was Wedge, Biggs, Hobby, and Jansen all escape at the same time. Yeah, is what I recall. Yeah, so I was, it's I was slightly different. One, I was hoping that one instructor guy was Soontir Fell because he had the widow's peak, and I'm like, come on, just say it. Just say <laughs> yes, it. They said yes. something else. I'm like, oh, it would have been nice. I, he was a little too old for me to feel comfortable calling him Soontir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I when I first saw Volt, I was like, oh, that's got to be you know Soontir uh, Fell, but no, it was Volt Scaris. But uh, it's okay. Soontir Fell. They saw the red, the, the red striping on the ties, like. Uh, like fell mm-hmm. uh, yeah so maybe we'll see him in the uh, you know whenever bigs defects with hobby's help but it's well, good to know and, that they're they're keeping that backstory there still and also hopefully porkins yes yeah porkins. <laughs> oh, of course and, and jansen yeah. good shot jansen right <laughs> well i just yeah. I, I have an affinity for the the fat I mean, pilots <laughs> well you know snap. that's like my favorite line in the entire star wars trilogy i know i know uh, it's such a great line. <laughs> Shut, <It's>... Jensen. <laughs> no, no, for it, no, no, no. Sorry, that's not quite. It's the wah that got him. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that, 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 that wonderful, you know, emotional wah. Such a fan, fun fact. You know, so yeah. Anyway, fun fact: we we tried our best to get wah that got him into the beginning of the uh, of the Ion Cannon theme. But I really wanted it in there. We couldn't quite make it fit. We tried our best. Uh, it would have been so great, though. That would have been a lot uh, of fun. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's not what we're here, though. You know, we yeah, have an awesome say. Rebels episode yeah. to discuss today. So, Tom, you want to give us the uh, the episode rundown? Yes, I can. Uh, tonight we're going to be reviewing Rebels Season 3, Episode 5, called Hera's Heroes. This was written by Nicole DeBeck and directed by Mel Zwire. Synopsis, Hera's rebel supply mission to Ryloth becomes personal when she and the Ghost crew brave overwhelming Imperial forces to recover a memento from her ancestral home. Wow. I don't know why that was a hard time spitting that one out. Um, We got to see, actually, the return of Cam uh, Sundula, Cham Sundula, and Numa this time. Uh, And it actually opens up with a chase scene. Yeah, I, I like how they keep bringing back Cham and Numa. Yep. Um, you know, because they're great characters from the Clone Wars. We saw them in Rebels last season, and then they're they're back again. Uh, this time, riding Blurgs, who uh, those are the the creatures that we we saw in the Clone Wars, but actually debuted in the the old t- straight to TV movie Ewoks: The Battle of Endor. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, I like how they keep bringing in the. Uh, the you know the, the the creatures from way back in legends yeah it's a nice touch yeah it is and we got biker scouts as well Imperial biker scouts, scouts on different different speeder bikes than we normally see they're mm-hmm. they, they were they're oh they, the classic rebels speeder that we saw yeah. in, uh especially in seasons one i think was yeah where we in saw. fact yeah, was right from the first step the spark of rebellion exactly in mm-hmm. in fact, this episode, the beginning of the episode, felt very much like Spark of Rebellion, where they have they're riding a speeder bike through a kind of a desolate planet in many ways, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the one area where I felt like uh, the 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 lower budget on Rebels has kind of hurt them in some ways, even though the show has been looking so so good in many mm-hmm. cases. Um, mm-hmm. When they were riding the speeder bikes, the train kind of felt 
bland and rudimentary in some ways. Maybe, maybe I don't know. If you guys agree? Maybe it's just me. But uh, this, I just feel like it didn't have quite enough detail. I don't know. I felt that way about a lot of this episode, especially later on. Some of the scenes where uh, the rebels are being chased through the canyons. Yes, there, there was, was a lot, lot of troopers of, with them. It was a very samey sort of environment. There wasn't a lot of uh, distinguishing pieces to it. And yeah, and know. also the, the other thing about that is it only had like maybe I think it was what three or four stormtroopers instead of an actual you know let's say battalion or something. Yes, they did. Yeah, have, that I especially noticed. Yeah, it's <laughs> like they they did have support vehicles, but you know just with that amount of troopers you're looking at just going, um, you know you could have had maybe a couple extra in there, not just you know three or four. I I just yeah. wonder if they did that so that it didn't seem you know, too, uh, you know, too much like they're superheroes, you know what I mean? Being like, oh, they took out a whole battalion, you know, to try to keep it smaller so that it seems more realistic, maybe. True. Oh, that's true. That's true. But I mean, on, in the end, like, I mean, they were, they were really just on the run, right? Um, right. Because <laughs> when it comes down to it, they, they end up getting, they end up having to surrender um, for, you know, for various reasons. But to a so... certain extent, it kind of didn't, feel like they were on a, on on the run i mean it yeah, did was... feel like toward the end that they were being herded i mean to a certain spot because you know i don't want to jump that far ahead but it did seem yeah. like they're yeah it was more it was more of not so much on the run they were being herded into a certain spot yeah. for what's before what was to come later and now was this the first time we've seen the scout trooper model used in Rebels? it is okay yeah it is. really I yeah. could have sworn we had seen it before, but I guess nope. if we had, Ezra would have had the helmet already. So. Right. So yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of what made me think. Oh, and full uniform, <laughs> helmet and full. <laughs> Which is actually one of the details that I really enjoyed about this episode. So, you know, the uh, the the ghost comes swooping in and and rescues uh, rescues Numa and and Champ. By the way, Numa is wearing a a Tuka doll pin on her shirt. I like the little yeah, details I saw that. there. That's pretty cool. Uh, so the the ghost kind of scoops in, literally scoops them up off off the ground and into the cargo hold, and the scout trooper ends up inside of there too. And uh, and, and I, th- yeah. I I I don't want to cut you off, but I really love Zeb's line. Didn't think that through, did you? <laughs> oh yeah, that was I love that one. That's great. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you know it, it can be a little on the nose, but that one was that one was very funny. Yeah. yeah. To be and, honest, uh, I. Uh-huh. For a long, because I knew Thrawn was going to be in this episode from the previews and things like that. I was sure this was going to be part of a a ploy of Thrawn's, the trooper kind of showing up. Mm. Mm. Yeah, actually, we don't ever find out what happened to the trooper. Once, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it wasn't I'm good. Sure like, was is he just like <laughs> sitting naked in the hold or something? Like, what happened to him? I mean, I think he's probably somewhere on the planet without his armor, and and I don't, I, I don't think he'd want to go back to his battalion because if you were to go back to your battalion without your armor and with nothing on, <laughs> would you want to face your your battalion? The height of shame. <laughs> yes, that would be the total total shame right there. Yeah. But uh, I, I really liked how I, I've loved um, Zeb and uh, Ezra's relationship, like how it's progressed from from the very first, you know, if the big guy catches you, he'll end you to now where, you know, he uh, Zeb does things for Ezra where he's like, hey, kid, he's like, you got this one. He's like, nope, sorry. 
kid needs your mm-hmm. helmet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're totally right. I especially like that. Cause it is kind of like, you know, his older brother watching out for him in many ways. Like, Hey, I know you collect armor. Do you have this one? And, uh, you know, it was a nice, uh, one indicated, yes, the scout trooper armor is new. And two, um, you know, it, it, it allowed him to get some new armor, but it also showed that relationship between them as well, which, mm-hmm. was, which was really nice. Um, I but, I like seeing the reunion between Hera and her father Cham in this episode as well. Like the last time we saw Cham, the two were at odds for a lot of the episode. It was nice to see that they would kind of brought themselves uh, to kind of a more neutral place where they could plan and talk and appreciate what they're both doing. Instead of him yeah, and, and they, on they her. <laughs> sorry, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they kind of came to a reconciliation at the end of the last episode, but uh, they're they're finally you can see they have that you know respect for each other now, especially uh, at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where uh, I think uh, Cham even makes a comment about how Hera surprised him in many ways with what she was, you know, willing to do and how dedicated she was. But uh, but we learn that the Empire has occupied the Tan province where Hera grew up. And even worse, her childhood home is now the headquarters of the uh, the Empire uh, on, on Ryloth. Because her home is basically like the governor's mansion of sorts, you know, uh, or like the White House. It's, it's kind of, I guess, probably publicly owned. And it's kind of like the seat of power in many ways. So by capturing it, kind of shows that the Empire has really taken over. It's not like they just picked a random home on the street. But um, uh, they, they quickly, Hera quickly realizes that, you know, Cham didn't have time to save anything uh, before the, the, the home was, was taken over. And their old family heirloom, uh, the Calicori, is left inside and it means a lot to Hera and that kind of sets the whole episode in motion. Yeah, I just yeah. have to say I had no idea that Hera grew up in a giant anthill. That was huge. <laughs> I didn't even expect that. That was like one big facility she grew up in. Now, yeah. was that was that literally her home or was that basically let's say the clan of the Twi'leks that lived in that and theirs was like an apartment or a house within that area? I, I that's that kind like of how I read city. it. That's what I read too. That's how yeah. I looked at it. And they were just at the I top. I saw it as like this. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, I said they were just at the top. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I, I interpreted it. Um, but one of the things I liked is, uh, and uh, Michael, I'm curious if you caught this being a, a big gamer as well. Uh, the Calicori is actually a reference to the Twi'lek village on Tython in the Old Republic. You know, really? Also called Calicori. Really? I don't play that game. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I've given it a try. I just mm-hmm. don't really care for it. So. Yeah, I mean, I definitely prefer Knights of the Republic to the Old oh, Republic. Yeah, those, it's gotten better. Definitely, yeah. Oh. Uh, but anyway, on Tython, I think it's relatively early in the game. There's a You get to visit a Twi'lek village, and it's, it's called Calicori. Um, and... Calicori is Twi'lek for the word beginning. Okay. Uh, so it is kind of cool how this this living artwork, uh, it's, a, it's like a totem that honors each generation of a Twi'lek's family. They keep adding to it. And it's called like the beginning. And uh, so it was kind of cool how they they referenced that in uh, in the episode, but kind of in a, in a new way. Yeah, it does. And so 
because it was so important to Hera's mother, uh, Hera decides she's going to go rescue it. And I think they're originally going to do a supply run to Ryloth, but she she says she's going to go alone. And of course, everyone backs her up. And, and that kind of is what really sets the whole episode in motion. Mm-hmm. I, say, I really liked that element of the episode as well. Hera's spent so much of Rebels kind of at, I don't say at the whims of the other characters, but she's never she never hesitates to you know follow up to uh, with Kanan or Ezra, and I like the fact that they're just immediately following up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, episodes, and everyone backs her up. Yeah, and how many episodes have we had so far in which everybody has backed her up like this? Is this like well, the first a, one? I, I think this is the first time she's ever been in a situation where she needed to be backed up like that. Right. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Uh, but I also like this episode because it was it was very much a Hera centric episode. Not just Hera is going to go find a you know a B wing and, and and fly it or or that sort of thing. Uh, but this was really you know learning about Hera's past and her history and her family. But it also tied in so well with the larger plot. Mm-hmm. which is what I, I, I really loved. Um, and I think, as, as you guys mentioned, you know, the rest of the group creates a distraction, so they basically go on the run from the stormtroopers uh, for, for pretty much most of the episode until they, they're forced to surrender at the end. Um, most of their scenes, and there's some nice moments, but for the most part, they're um, not particularly impactful. Uh, mm-hmm. they're just kind of off doing their own thing while Hera and, and Ezra slip into the compound and Ezra's now got his uh, scout trooper armor on which is which is really cool yeah and uh, uh, and so they, they sneak into the compound and it's all about you know how they get the the Calicori uh, yeah I, I have to say I really liked the detail of uh the actual apartment that Hera grew up in, especially the the picture, which I was trying to think, was that the first time we've actually seen Hera's mother in any sort of official I way? So, yeah, I I, so. <clears throat> which I liked how that painting was. It, it was almost like stained glass. Mm-hmm. How it was all set up. Yeah, or mosaic nice. tiles or something. Yeah, yeah, and and what's really cool is like uh, how they they tied it in to. Uh, you know, they, they like you always say, Tom, right? If you're going to show something, use it later. Yes. Uh, and that's exactly what they did in this episode. Um, they, they, you know, they find, they see the painting, they, they find the Calicori and, and try to make their escape. And suddenly Grand Admiral Thrawn walks in the room, you know, and, yeah, no oh, yeah, and I love, oh. I love his theme. Uh, I think it's called Thrawn's Web. Uh, with the you know the the, the choral music and the, the uh, and the orchestra, I'm sorry, in the uh, the organ and everything, it just sounds so good and it's so mm-hmm. so so Thrawn. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what it, it uh, kind of reminds me of a little bit, and I may be way off of actually heard it again, um, but it reminds me of what I remember um, the haunted mansion, some of the music in there. Really. Yeah, I, I may be completely off. Like if I if I listen to it, I'm like, what? I'm an idiot. But it's just that's kind of what it uh, it brings to mind. I guess it's that like accordion or not accordion, but uh, kind of um, like the stretching room. Pipe yeah, the stretching. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd have to go back and listen to it again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was the first thing I noticed, though, William. I'm glad you brought that up um, because I noticed this as he was um, walking toward her and saying, wait, I don't think she's just a kitchen slave. You could hear that organ music start. And um, I think they even added in, um, like, chant as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, a little bit of the the, the chanting and the, the choral. And it's, just, it's so... Um, it, it really fits Theron because Theron is very... He's quiet, but he's very calculating, very mm-hmm. smart, very uh, mm-hmm. dangerous, and so the, the music perfectly fits him. Kevin Kiner's just doing such a good mm-hmm. job, yeah, yeah. And you even see like when, you know, they uh, before they even run into uh, uh, to to Hera, Hera and Thrawn actually come face to face. You know, she's trying to sneak out of the room and, and run away, and uh, we see. Thrawn talking to uh, Captain Slavin and you know Thrawn orders uh, increased security for the building and Slavin's like uh, well okay I mean I, I did it because you're the boss but I don't really understand the rebel activity so far from here and Thrawn is like oh it's closer than you think yeah and, and he, and he you know, looks to where you kind of assume that Hera and Ezra were mm-hmm. yep. like the door had just yep. closed yeah and, yeah. and that and to what I liked, that Slavin character was always the one that had the doubt for Thrawn. Are you sure? Are you this? Are you that? And Thrawn each time was putting the guy in his place by proving him that, you know what? Oh, God, I, I had the perfect example and lost my thought on that. But there were many, it just, he was a great character to play off of Thrawn to see how calculating he is, how, way, how Thrawn thinks everything through. Just mm-hmm. beautiful how how that character mm-hmm. was put together. Well, Cham mm-hmm. even says that Slavin like was not a very good tactician, right? Right, and then all of a sudden he got significantly better, and they took mm-hmm. over. They were able to to conquer um, the Tan Province, and it was because of Thrawn himself, right? Thrawn mm-hmm. was able to help him step up his game, and, and Slavin really was Thrawn... the puppet. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, and that's why like yeah. when Hera and Thrawn finally meet face to face, she kind of like. She's getting ready to walk through a door, and the door opens, and Thrawn and Slavin walk through, and she comes face to face with them, and she she pretends to be a a, a servant, as I think you mentioned, Christy. Mm-hmm. And uh, but Thrawn sees right through it, mm-hmm. and, but he doesn't call her out on it right away, which is what I loved. Mm-hmm. I I really liked this was like the perfect Thrawn for me. Like this is. A Thrawn who understands the the nature of his enemy. He he knows that the Kalakori is not some random trinket. And when mm-hmm. he starts picking that apart, it lets him like, ah, uh, why would you rescue this? I know it's something valuable. Let's go to where he found it. Ah, this is a family heirloom. Maybe mm-hmm. you're part of the family. Mm-hmm. And even though part of me suspects Thrawn is like, oh, this is Hera. Like I recognize her from the Wanted posters. I like the idea that he this is Thrawn at work. And it mm-hmm. was such a perfect tie to how he was in the EU. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the reason he figures out who Hera is, is because he has studied, he knows one, what a, what a Calicori is. And Slavin has no clue. Yeah. Slavin had, Slavin thought Slavin it was a trinket. Name. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Oh, it's some random thing. It doesn't really matter. But Thrawn's like, no, 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 no. This is only important to people who are, you know, uh, in the family. If, if they're not, uh, you know, it's it's worthless to outsiders, and uh, 
and you know he, he mentions that to defeat an enemy you must know them not just not simply their battle tactics but their history philosophy art. <laughs> art. and like i'm sure every legends fan when he said the word art just got these chills of excitement <laughs> um well he he especially sorry sorry to interrupt no, but he especially used that example when he yeah. was in he was in cham's office and the painting was right behind him and he used the example i'd like to introduce you to harrison doula as he's pointing to the actual uh-huh. p- painting and it was of the little girl of harrison doula not the one that's sitting in front of him yeah. oh yeah the, the whole scene is just so masterfully done yeah um christy i think you you, you I, I was actually saying something yeah I, I, I did not mean to interrupt no I'm you're, sorry. you're cool um to me i really liked it because I, I i totally agree i think that pretty much or the way that i read this was uh, Thrawn had everything figured out the moment that he was calling for more security. And he's like, oh, I think uh-huh. they're closer. To me, at that point, he sort of picked up on everything that was going on. But the way that you know, I'm perceiving that they're, they're playing his character is he's not quick to jump on something. You know? No, no, he, no, no. He, he basically, he's like, I'm, you know, I feel like this is like 80%. This is what's going on. And he's like, but let's take, you know, let's be patient and let's go through all the details until we have the full picture, you know, and it, yeah. and it works because it, you know, that, and he's also very soft spoken. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. so you go through the whole thing and he's not, you know, saying, ah, the rebels are here. I know that's what's going on, you know, and then he's not going, no, this is Hera. You know, he's like, oh, Let's let's see. Let's take this, you know, piece by piece. And not only is that, like I said, show him, you know, having the patience and, and uh, really working things out without looking like an idiot and just jumping straight to the conclusion, but it also really builds tension. I feel like this oh yeah, this episode had the most tension of any mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. And the way they Definitely. even moved the um point of view around to where you're suddenly like right up in Hera's face as she's realizing he knows what a Calicori is? How does he mm-hmm. know that? Uh-huh. And she yeah. finally kind of breaks character and, and says, you know... Oh, yeah, her language they're, changes. They're going to defeat him. And and I love Slavin's expression, too. He just, like, doesn't get it, right? <laughs> Thrawn is <laughs> quizzing him. And, what? And he's like, I don't, I don't get it. It's just this, you know, this servant, a slave, and, you know, who cares about this art? And, uh, and Thrawn is like... He, you're such an idiot, <laughs> you know. And he like, what? but very calmly and walks him through it and mm-hmm. keeps his cool almost, almost the whole time. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just th- that's what I just love about Thrawn. It is so, so true to his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and he even says later that he's conducting an experiment that requires his attendance. And I think he is like he wants to see what the rebels are going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's uh, a learning he's, experience. For he's him. measuring their he's measuring their responses. And he also did mention because when when Slavin sat there and said, "How did you know?" He comes back with because the rebels have friends always running to the rescue. Yeah. I I loved the shot where Ezra goes in for the the rescue, yes. and it immediately pans, and Thrawn's already got the blaster out and stunned him. Yeah, uh-huh. it was just yeah, Thrawn's fast. Oh yeah, yeah, that was yep. yeah, that was another one where I was like, don't, whoa, <laughs> don't mess <What's> with Thrawn. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I did want to uh, add it. I like that he's the only one that seems to see the bigger picture. Like, no one else mm. has thought like he does before. Like, well, we can lose this battle because we'll win the war because I've got this plan. Right. Exactly. In fact, I think that that makes... I feel like that makes uh, Felonian team's job a lot easier this season in many ways. I guess hard in other areas. But one thing they've always struggled with in the past is how do you have a threat that is credible uh, for, you know, multiple seasons, right? Um, in the Clone Wars, they they constantly had the Rebels. Like, the Rebels have to... Sorry, the, the Rebels. The, the Republic has to win. The good guys have to win. Because a show where the bad guys are always winning every episode is just not fun to watch, right? Right. Um, and yet, if the Republic always wins... Who cares about the, the the separatists, right? What's what's the big threat? They always lose, so who cares? And you don't want to cheapen the big bad guys, and that's why they would try to use them sparingly. Well, that was uh, something so they learned you... pretty quickly after introducing Grievous in season one of Rebels, mm-hmm. right? Because Grievous, all, you know, they they realized he's constantly losing. He just looks incompetent, um, and and so they they introduced additional villains in the show and, and that sort of thing. And with with Rebels, you know, we we had. Uh, the Inquisitor in season one, and he eventually dies. And then we have um, Vader and Maul in uh, you know season two, Maul at the end of season two. And now Maul is one of the the big bad guys. But even he like can't lose very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Thrawn, they have a very different like they could actually afford to have Thrawn lose because when Thrawn loses, he doesn't actually lose. He lets them lose, or he lets mm-hmm. them win. And he does it so he can learn something. And that's he that's says, exactly. Uh, Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. Go ahead, finish. Okay. He, he and, even and says at the end, uh, <laughs> they've earned their victory for today. Right. Not yes. to worry. You know, he, he's found the whole experience enlightening, mm-hmm. and, and he took it the allows right them. Out of my mouth. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so it allows them to uh, to have the good guys win, while having the bad guys learn something about them mm-hmm. the trick i think is that they actually have to pay it off at the end of the season if yeah. if thrawn does not take this accumulation of knowledge and do something awesome and and mind-blowing and uh, and that sort of thing then what's the point right yeah so he has to use it at some point they have to pay it off but in the I, meantime I, it's so good and i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's going to happen. I mean, you have a character that's this strong, this beloved within the universe, and everybody knows this character and how the character is. I'm pretty sure they have a plan. They have a plan on how how the end game for Thrawn is going to happen, where he's going to accumulate all this knowledge, and one big massive thing is going to happen. You're going to be like, "Whoa!" So, it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. I am very hopeful. Very hopeful. There is one moment, though, that that caught me by surprise. And I think it caught most viewers by surprise. And that's when, uh, you know, Slavin says, uh, you know, he suggests destroying the piece of Twi'lek trash, the the Kalakori. And uh, Thrawn quickly grabs his collar and snarls at him. Uh, What did you guys think of of this scene, Uh, Michael? Uh, I thought it was great because it, uh, it, it, it once again it's it's just such a minor little thing that really helps 
um, to solidify Thrawn as like this guy's not playing around. Like like he's soft spoken and everything, but you know he is threatening. Like he he will be the death of you. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course it it shows his uh, how he feels about art. Obviously, mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting that. Thrawn in the Legends universe was very much a teacher. And, and I feel like he's trying to do the same thing with Slavin in this episode, you know, showing that's kind of why he's working through this logic. You know, if you use your brain, maybe you'll get some better results. And this is just the the ultimate rejection of everything Thrawn's been trying to do this entire episode. And I think that just that upsets him. Thrawn is uh I don't want to say a perfectionist, but he he I I think he's he kind of believes the empire can be more. Yeah, he's trying to make the empire more. Uh, you know, a, um, I'm quoting now a different movie, but you know, a different class <laughs> of villain. Yeah, yes, I mean, he even says, "I've forgotten not everyone is able to appreciate art as mm-hmm. I do." Right, anyway. Christy. Oh yeah, I was just saying. I I think that Thrawn has high standards, and I I do agree with Stephen. I think he is trying to teach, um, Slavin how to do things differently and that, you know, maybe, maybe you'll get different results if you quit doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, He he may just end up teaching him where the airlock is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've finally had enough of you, but yeah, I, I I like that. um, I don't remember where I was going with it now, but basically, yeah, that, that moment when he snarls at him and everything, I think was also just frustration that it's like, you're still not getting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I remember. So also when, when, um, well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Feel free to jump, jump ahead, ahead if you want. But <laughs> you want um, me to? Yeah, up to you. <laughs> um, when when he's doing his experiment later and watching from the outside, I think is the experiment he was talking about. I because totally he says, agree "I'm going to go." There's an experiment that needs my attention. I'll leave the rest to you. I think he was watching to see what Slavin was going to do. Yep. Yeah, and, and not just leaving what the rebels were going to do and how yeah. far they would be willing to go. And it's very interesting because Thrawn is so he's so polite in this episode, uh, with the exception of like you know snarling at Slavin that one time. Like he's telling Hera, you know, thank you for the Calicoria. I'll I'll place it in a I'll put it in a place of honor on my ship. He's like always thanking Hera for her hospitality. And like when Slavin is being rude, he's silencing or correcting him. And it's it's very interesting to see uh, the bad guy be so polite in some ways, in an eerie, creepy way. Yeah, he was killing with kindness. Exactly, or using kindness to kill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is how women do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you for your hospitality, Hera. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, um, so I don't want to jump off uh, Thrawn if, if everybody is still want to talk him but there, there's one thing that uh, I picked up that I really enjoyed that we haven't mentioned yet okay um, which, yeah which was yeah, uh, Chopper uh, Chopper oh my love god Chopper. I loved oh, his little yes. Y-Wing moment mm-hmm because we did hear his past right he, mm-hmm. he, yes. he we, we heard last season he crashed in a Y-Wing but this time we actually get to see it yeah. yes that and also when Sabine decided that she was going to basically blow up her house, <laughs> the maniacal laughter that Chopper had when he was going yes. through the base, placing the explosives, 
was outstanding. I think the it's... only one who loves explosives more is Sabine. Sabine, <laughs> yes. Um, but I just, I, it was so hard not to crack up to see him so joyfully place those explosives and just have that maniacal laughter at the same time. Yeah. One thing I also really liked is we, we got a new color scheme for Chopper. Uh, I want to say we've heard, I want to say we've we... seen him in the black before. No, I, I think yeah, I think so. Just but this time, uh, so he's, he's in the black, his black paint job again. And, uh, but this time, and I gotta, I gotta, uh, credit Matt rushing, uh, who was on last week for, for noticing this, but, uh, Chopper is actually wearing an Imperial press badge, uh, somehow. Uh, so I don't know I don't know why like how he got into the press corps uh, but he's, he's wearing it imperial maybe that's how he got through the you know through the uh, on, into the compound he's like yeah I'm, I'm with the Holland News you know who knows but um, it was so great and Henry Gilroy actually you know responded and confirmed that yeah you know the Lucasfilm design team and and our, our friend Tracy Canobio uh, you know wanted to get that on chopper and, and, and they were able to, to get it in the episode which is so great <laughs> yeah, that, that's cool. uh, a lot of the a lot of the press and uh, some of the fan sites were actually received these imperial press badges mm-hmm. uh, over the last you know couple of years, and so it was it was fun to see it in it in the show itself instead of just uh, just in you know in in the real world. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that they responded and confirmed it. Yeah, it's so great. Um, so no, I, 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 I did like that moment with Chopper as well. Cause it actually kind of tries to, it he almost, I don't want to say humanizes him a bit, but like, we know that he, Chopper went through some, he had a, a hard time, a rough childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like, he's looking at his old Y wing and I don't know if it's like mourning it or, or, or what, like something happened and we don't really know what, but, uh. You know, it's interesting that the, the the wreckage is actually still there and was never removed because he crashed during the end of the Clone Wars. Well, they mentioned it was kind of yeah. a memorial, right? It was a memorial. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it was a memorial, um, and and it was there. I think it was almost like a place of honor. True. Well, that's what a memorial is. So <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday night, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I guess it's kind of like the equivalent of like a um like a vietnam vet going to like the vietnam wall or something yes yeah that's true yeah but yeah, so it's interesting sl- to see you know a, a droid to have such seemingly emotion mm-hmm. especially chopper because i mean <laughs> let's be real <laughs> emotion it's not let's kill everybody chopper has one emotion <laughs> maniacal laughter when he wants it Basically, so yeah. So when everybody watches Chopper on screen, do you do what I do and raise your arms when he starts the shenanigans <laughs> she, and act like Chopper? <laughs> she mimics him. <laughs> oh, that's great. When he causes that the diversion, great. that's adorable. Yeah. It's, yes. It's always fun oh, yeah. watching stuff with Christine because we'll, you know, with Chopper, she she will mimic him. Or uh, if I'm watching like, uh, I like to watch old Godzilla movies, and uh, I was watching Godzilla versus Mothra, and I look over and she's like mimicking his arm movements and stuff and i'm like really because sometimes he looks like he's dancing <laughs> like doing the twist so anyway way too funny oh uh, yeah I, I like chopper a lot uh and he he actually came in and and thankfully rescued hera and ezra uh, because mm-hmm. you know imperial security is not very good they don't notice a rogue droid 
running around distracting people and, and that's <laughs> sort of everyone just keeps uh, what are you doing yeah never mind is that thing talking to us i also i also guess within their within the stormtrooper helmets they really don't understand what maniacal laughter is <laughs> that maybe the filter that you know is in there that's filtering out maniacal laughter mm-hmm. um so i guess you have to give them a break yeah yeah did anyone uh, else notice though that when the when he opens the door, Ezra's ear is up against it? Yes, I did notice. Oh, you're right. Ezra I guess he fell face. through. It's some of the little details like that that I always enjoy with this show. Mm-hmm. But it really seems fun. like he always picks on Ezra in particular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's Chopper. I'm not surprised he he likes to pick on Ezra. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but, but Slavin eventually makes an announcement over the, the loudspeaker, uh, to, to Cham and, and Kanan and the rest who have still been running, uh, and trying to cause a distraction this whole time. And, uh, Slavin tells Cham that he has his daughter and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do a trade Cham's life for Hera and Ezra. Mm-hmm. And so they decide to make the trade, but... Thankfully, Hera and Ezra have already escaped, and they come up with quite the plan. Uh, I was not expecting this at all. Uh, it was very bold. What did you guys think of, of Hera's plan? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she had much of a choice. I think it had to be done. Yeah, because, I mean, she she blew up her own house. <laughs> This is crazy. And I especially uh, love how she said it to her dad. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm sorry about the house. It's almost like, I'm sorry I had that party when I was 21. But, you know, the house is going to finally go now. So. <laughs> but I love yeah. how we, honestly. We've been like, needing to move for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I think we better take up new residence. Uh, both all, maybe. <laughs> Come on. It, it was a giant anthill anyways. Like, we can rebuild. <laughs> I was going to say, I love how, too, when is Ezra the voice of reason? I know. <laughs> He's like, very but rarely. It's your house. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, true. But uh, but no, I mean, it, it, the plan worked, right? They right before they were about to do the the prisoner exchange. You know, she apologizes to her dad and then blows up the house, and you could just see the shock on Cham's face when the house goes up in flames. He was not <laughs> expecting it at all. No. Uh, but they're able to hop on the ghost and and escape. And, and you know, thankfully, Thrawn let them go uh, once once they were in orbit because you know they they would never have survived otherwise. But and I love that Chopper pushed the button. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So there was there was one other thing though that I noticed right before they they took off that was a little bit of uh-huh. a callback for me at least because earlier in the episode I was like, what? Why would you do? No, that's dumb. Um, but when they had uh, Colby, I guess is the the male Twi'lek's name. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I thought it was Gobi. Uh, or Gobi, Gobi. It's been a while. Let's it's back some sort of an people. Obi name. Uh, so mm-hmm. anyhow, uh, when he fires the rocket launcher, I was like, seriously, you're not Gobi gonna... Glee. Yeah. I'm like, why are you not gonna shoot that thing right in that Walker's face? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they're like, oh, you know, instead he hits the the cliff. And I was like, well, maybe that's better because. Uh, he can stop all of them with one shot. But they're like, no, that's right. not going to hold for very long. I'm like, well, then why did you do it? Like, why would you not have just taken out the walker and then you can deal with the uh, the troopers separately? But then at the end, 
uh, we see them uh, with Kanan, where they they fire the the Walker fires the um, the missile, and Kanan pulls a Force Unleashed and then launches it back at it, and it doesn't really seem to do anything other than sort of temporarily stall it. So I was like, oh okay, well I guess missiles don't work. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, I don't know. I was gonna try to do it modify a star wars quote but i i give up uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i don't care <laughs> yeah um but you know, as we said at the end cham tells Hera that he's learned not to underestimate her which i guess is kind of like a subtly saying oh i i did underestimate you before but now yeah, i yeah. now i don't she's like Sorry, thanks daughter. dad i'm 32 <laughs> yeah, yeah. You haven't learned nothing. Thirty-two, been running the rebellion for now for you know a <laughs> couple six months, a year. Don't the worry rebe- about it. The rebellion is a wider scale than you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's he was more of the guerrilla tactic. She's more of yeah. the overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, she realizes she doesn't need the the calicory to keep her her mom's memory alive. Which is, I mean, it's kind of ironic that she went in to rescue the calicory. Mm-hmm. And ended up blowing up her entire childhood home <laughs> and, no and everything in it. Well, <laughs> you know what? It's a great way to cut with your past. Eh, it's gone now. I don't need to worry so. about it. You get like, no, there's one now? thing. There's one thing in my dad's office. I need to rescue it. It's really important. Oops, I blew up the entire house. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know yeah, what? You win some, you lose some. But I think in this case, I think the experiment Throne was going for was how far can you push a rebel? How much are they willing to lose? Uh-huh. Are they willing to? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Apparently <he learned>. everything. <laughs> yeah, well, they in, will in blow Harris, up their own home. <laughs> yeah, Harris, They will burn it down to the ground. Yeah. She would do anything, number one, to, to save her friends because blowing up a house. Two, um, something like that to her, she realizes it's a it's a thing from the past that she didn't need anymore because now they've got a future with a new family. So he kind of learned two things from that. They're willing to let go of their past and move forward. And they're willing to make that kind of sacrifice to move forward. Yeah. So I I think the lesson learned is that it didn't really matter that they blew up Alderaan because the rebels would have probably just ended up blowing it up themselves anyway. (laughs) Oh, well, was that was that not the point of this whole episode? <laughs> Leia's just like, no, you can't have Alderaan. I'll blow it up. Myself. I'll get to it's it. Like first. It's like that ending of fanboys where they're holding wow. Star Wars props. <laughs> if you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. The Ewok's going to get burned. That changes everything, Michael. Yeah, I, I went to gra- uh, retrieve my music box and I ended up blowing up the entire planet. My bad. <laughs> I do like, Tom, that you said that, though, about what you think the point was, because mm-hmm. um, it did remind me again of when um, Thrawn was putting her and Ezra in the cell um, and says, you know, it's interesting to me that, um, what was it he said? Like, it, you would destroy it rather than letting me have it. That's true because, yeah, I, she did say that line, didn't she? Something like because that. And he, she said, so, "Yeah, it belongs to us and us alone. So if we don't have it, I would destroy it." Right, and then he he turned around and put it in the box that the trooper was holding behind him, 
because he wanted it sent to a ship. Mm-hmm. So, so somewhere he definitely learned art. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. typically what art I, collectors do. Yeah. <laughs> put, it, put, it, put it in the, uh, in the nice box and uh, <laughs> puts it on the shelf. Oh, vacuum seal it. So it's in a mylar bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's. Uh, I mean, he he loves his art. Ron yeah, he does. It's very important to him. Uh, this. I mean, this this episode was fairly straightforward in, in many ways, but it's just so well executed. You know, uh, and, and just seeing how my favorite part was just seeing how Thrawn is able to. Uh, Using art and, and kind of you know tactics, see what what's happening and uh, quickly deduce what's actually going on uh, and kind of manipulate everyone in many ways, right? Because he he let them escape, and mm-hmm. I actually would not be surprised if I mean we were talking earlier about how you know Chopper's able to move around. I wouldn't be surprised if Thrawn let them in many ways, um, kind of let them infiltrate just so that he could see what they would do. I would. Like, when it comes I, down to it, like Thrawn doesn't care about the house, right? No, all he wants to do is learn. He wants to learn how far he can push the rebellion. If he pushes that far, how will they react? And that way, he knows when he starts doing his actual battles and he starts attacking, he knows basically the right bush, buttons to push. So he's learning the whole time, and I think that's that was probably. To a certain extent, what he was trying to get Slavin to do, but Slavin just wouldn't have any of it. Slavin, oh for sure, yeah, Slavin. At a certain point, when he was quizzing about the Calicori, you could see that that he was saying some of the information that Thrawn already knew, that he was piecing it together. But Thrawn was able to just literally put it all together. So used it as a learning experience because the whole thing, and you can look at the whole episode as it was Thrawn's experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. now I'm really creeped out because I think it's accumulating to something big. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, sure it will be. And I yeah. can't wait to see what it is. Yeah, it's going to be a lot I, I, of fun so when excited. that happens. Well, any, any theories about what, what Thrawn is planning? Surprise birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, Happy no one would expect Ezra. it. <laughs> no, it's for the emperor. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for the emperor. Yeah, surprise birthday party for the emperor. Yeah, he's collecting all these pieces and he's gonna wrap them and. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's gonna put all the rebels' heads on horse pikes and mm-hmm. they can play uh, choppers like a <sighs> pinata. They can... I I, I kind of wonder if it's gonna um... stop there. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say that was probably wise. <laughs> I probably should have stopped this earlier, but you know. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I mean, I could kind of see because so many people have said, you know, they're like, oh, I don't see any of them, you know, making it out. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the only ones that stand a good chance of of really dying would be Ezra and Kanan but um, I think if they were going to take out Hera by the end of um, the Rebels show then I think um, I think Thrawn would probably be your best person for that I could see it kind of um, you know him sort of leading to her end possibly Mm -hmm. so a matching of wits 
Yeah. You're going to end up at some point, the two of them facing off against each other, and who's going to blink first? Right. And and I think the whole thing with, you know, how far will will they go might play into that, you know, where essentially she has to maybe sacrifice, like he, he sort of forces her hand and she has to sacrifice herself. Yeah. No, that's a, you brought up a very good point because he already saw that she would, she wanted this trinket so bad, she would go in and retrieve it. But in the end, she would destroy her house. Mm-hmm. So she would yeah. make that sacrifice. He now knows just how far she's willing to go. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I can't wait to see how this is going to play out. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Are we ready for our reviews? I, I start, think so. Start getting a womp yeah. rat. Yeah. Um, Michael, why don't you go first tonight? We'll let the guest go first. Okay. Yeah. So I think um, I don't ever give anything a, like a full all out like ten, but um, I guess I guess I'll give this one ten because I, I think this is probably the best Ooh. episode uh, Rebels episode that we've gotten so far. Um, hmm. It's I don't I mean I'm I'm really hard pressed to think of anything else so I say take uh, ten rebel womp rats set them on Alderaan and see how long it takes for them to blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> I give it twenty four hours. Yeah, <laughs> I mean there's ten of them so yeah probably not very long. It depends on yeah. who raised the romp, womp rats. If Sabine raised them, less. Yeah, less. <laughs> wow. Uh... Great. That's great. Christy, you want to go next? Sure. So um, I, I said eight out of ten, honestly, just because of the little things like the fuzzy background and, you know, mm-hmm. like not You're necessarily so hard to things. please. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty close. Um, I, I definitely He's think, you know, it obviously it's redeeming qualities were that I felt it was a nice combination of having some humorous stuff thrown in there, but having this very ominous tone throughout. Um, and I like seeing so much of Thrawn, um, cause I actually haven't read any of the Star Wars books. Um, mm-hmm. so I didn't know him until watching Rebels this season. Um, okay. And then, so what, so with that. Let me ask you this, and I know you're in the middle of your rating, but what did you think of the character since you have not read the books, and this is your first experience? Do you like the character? Do you want to go back and read the books, the original books? Uh, or are you going to pick up the Timothy Zahn book that's going to be coming out in the future? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested in it. Um, I, I will say I'm definitely loyal to the Empire. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like it- those characters the best. Um, and so I really like that he's so complex. Like I said, he sees the bigger picture. Um, and yet he's so calm and confident that he's got this under control. He's going to win. He's not worried about it. Okay. Um, right, do you have so... to say what I'll do with my womp rats or what they've been doing? <laughs> Either. I mean, I don't think we've had a, what they've been doing. Since last week is what you missed. Um, they've been riding around on blurgs. <laughs> that was nice. my favorite thing in the episode. <laughs> of course, nice. it is. she always. See, she here's the thing. She she mentioned how she always likes dark side characters, and which she does. Like Darth Vader um, is probably her favorite character. But even though she's not said, oh, this person's my favorite, she really buys a lot of Jabba the Hutt stuff. Wow! <laughs> like I'm not even kidding. I don't get her uh, 
interest in Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, we do have a stuffed one right now that has a trick-or-treat bag. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Amazing. Yeah, Motion so that's gun. what my Womp Rats are doing. Okay. Nice. Uh, very cool. William, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, I thought this episode was um, was very well made. I, it, it, there was no... It wasn't like... Uh, it wasn't on the level of... Uh, like the season premiere, for example, where you're dealing with, uh, you know, Maul and I'm oh, sorry, the season finale, you know, Twilight Apprentice last season, where you got, you know, again, they, they, the, the eight years of, of buildup and a big confrontation between Vader and Ahsoka and Maul. But this was about Thrawn. It was a very different type of episode. Uh, it was much more, it wasn't like there was action, but it wasn't really about the action. It was more about the, uh, about Thrawn and how calculating and how tactical he is. And you could really see that in this episode. And that's what I loved so much about it. Um, and, and you could really see those gears turning in Thrawn's head, just how brilliant he is. And I cannot wait to see uh, how they, they take what he learns and, uh, and turn it against the rebels later in the series. So uh, and hopefully it's the season. So with that, I'm going to give this, um, this is hard. I really, I really enjoyed this episode. I think I'm going to go eight and a half uh, for the same reason. You know, some of the, the, the sequence at the very beginning was so-so. Um, I think more visually than anything else. But uh, yeah, I'm going to do eight and a half Womp Rats out of ten. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a reason why Chopper was mourning at the Y-Wing. And it's Mm-mm. because... He, he had eight and a half womp rats piloting it with him when when the ship went down and instantly they Oh no. He's mourning oh, those were womp rat lives. <laughs> they have yeah. the uh, names like scrolled Chopper on the side is mourning his womp rat friends. <laughs> wow. Thankfully eight womp rats can fit in the cockpit uh at the same time. They're small enough. Uh plus wow. Chopper, you know, right to the back. Uh so it, it worked well. Also, we got a couple new uh Star Wars insults in this episode, including uh, thanks to Hera. Including blurred dropping and <laughs> gutkers. <laughs> That's true. Apparently, a hard-shelled carnivorous creature seen in Ryloth during the Clone Wars. So, uh, Hera's in uh, full potty mouth mode today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you want to go next? Let's yeah, take it I'll all. Next. No, I'll go next. Um, I like this episode. I actually, you know how how. I'm the guy who likes to look at the actual production of the episode and notice things that look great and call it out. I really missed all the blurriness and everything people talk about when it comes to the production of backgrounds and stuff. So, uh, I don't know. Um, I can't really call any of that out to say this, that, and the other thing. Um, I did like the episode. Other than that, I thought the, the best thing about it was to actually see Thrawn as a thinking character instead of always an action character that we've gotten basically for a lot of the season. Um, so on, based on that, I am giving this a, I have to give it a nine because I think at some point there's going to be a 10 episode where something's just going to blow me away on this, but how they have introduced Thrawn in this episode, I think is going to pay off for something later down the road. And this was a great episode to get us there. So I am taking my nine Womp Rats. And 
you know all the explosives that were placed around the house that you know you had uh, Chopper maniacally placing around. Uh-huh. Sure. Nine of those were accidentally Womp Rats that were placed. Uh, yeah. I hate it when that happens. He's accidentally dropping the Womp Rats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. Actually, those Womp Rats actually had magnetic things stuck to their backs. So oh. he actually stuck them accidentally on crates. So, Bonk. yeah. So they went clunk. They didn't go boom, but they went clunk instead. So that's what well, I Well, they went that, boom eventually. Yeah, but eventually because the actual. Yeah, an actual explosive went off, but instead of going boom, they went clunk, and then they went boom. So it was, yeah, not, my nine womp rats were accidentally those mines that uh, Chopper placed. So that's what I'm doing with mine. Steven, get me out of this. Okay, if you <laughs> insist. Okay. So for me, I'd say this was kind of a really, I'd call it like a classic 7 out of 10 episode for me, except that it had Thrawn. And that it portrayed Thrawn exactly how I felt like he should have been portrayed in the uh, season beginning. Um, it just You guys have kind of covered most of it. I just thought all of the elements for a really solid episode were there, and then Thrawn just kind of took it and elevated it. Uh, so with my eight Womp Rats that I'm going to give this episode... Oh, I just had... Oh, that's right. Okay. Sorry, I forgot about it for a moment. So we were talking earlier how we were kind of confused how the Rebels were running away from, like, the five Stormtroopers and the one Walker. It's because what we didn't see is the eight Womp Rats that were scurry. They're like Ninja Womp Rats that were scurrying after the Rebels and <laughs> uh, hounding them. Because those are the real killers on the battlefield. Interesting. Ninja Womp Rats. <laughs> Ninja Womp Rats. Terrifying. Ninja Womp Rats. That I'd like to see. All dressed in black. That well, would be interesting. Just, I mean, you're not really going to be able to see him, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so, so would anyone who was ever killed by a ninja womp rat? They'd have loved to see him too. <laughs> they might have stood a chance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's let's, yeah. let's get on that. Let's get Kevin J. Anderson to write that book. Oh. <laughs> just one chapter, just one little <laughs> chapter out of the whole book. You don't have to have the whole book. Just, just, just. Not even a chapter, just like three lines. That's all. <laughs> because they're so fast, you never know they were there. Oh, uh, ninja! But do they make rats. noise like out of their mouths? That's the question. They're so fast, you never know they're there. That's why it's only three lines out of a whole book. <laughs> I think we better get on with coming up on the next show. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yes. Okay. Well, coming up on uh, Ion Cannon, we have. Rebels Season 3, Episode 6, The Last Battle. On a salvage mission mission led by Captain Rex, the ghost crew is captured by a unit of old battle droids determined to fight one last battle to end the Clone Wars. So we're pretty much guaranteed to get a Roger Roger joke and... uh... Oh, I'm sure. I I am sure. I'd have no problem with it. If this is I, if this is an episode in which they're going to kind of use this to wrap up the Clone Wars, I'd have no problem with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think this is going to be a, f- a fun episode. I am I'm looking forward to it. Also, it's written by our friend of the show Brent Friedman, as well. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah, yeah, he, he's back. So um, I think this will be a this will be a fun episode. Mm-hmm. It'll be good. Cool. With that, right. uh, Michael Christie. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us. For this this has been this was so a much lot fun. Of fun. Oh yeah, thank thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, it was awesome. Of course, well, or you're always welcome back on the show, whenever you guys want. 
Oh, Twi'leks <laughs> gotta stick together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, us Twi'leks do have to stick together. <laughs> not going there. <laughs> Smart Tom. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. So. Uh, Michael, Chris, do you guys want to plug your uh, where people could find you, your podcast, etc.? Yeah. So um, I'm sure everyone's probably heard of that uh, Star Wars report. Uh, over at the uh, StarWarsReport.com. You can just kind of go to the podcast, and we're over there. I think we're, like, right under Ion Cannon, maybe. Um, I'm not sure where we where everything is. Maybe it's alphabetical order. I don't know. Um, but, uh, of course, we're on all the uh, podcatchers as well. And then uh, we also have the uh, Facebook and, and Twitter, which is just Cloud City Casino. Mm-hmm. And my personal Twitter, where I can be reached, is just at Morris Isley. And I just have a personal Twitter, which is at more Christy, M-O-R-R, instead of M-O-R-E. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, your podcast covers video games, right? Yes. And, uh, and tabletop games, well. games, yep. Yeah. Ooh, very and, nice. And tabletop games. Very so, cool. That's yeah. uh, very cool. Very cool indeed. And Christy, I thought I was following you, but apparently I'm not, so I am just corrected that. It's okay. Yeah, I'm okay. not either. Oh, and I'm the same thing. Sorry, Chris, are you saying? Oh, I was just saying I'm more often on Instagram and it's the same URL there. Gotcha. Very cool. Great. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. Thank you cool. so much for joining us. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on this show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.